Good morning, everyone. Good morning. <laughs> I'm going to ask everybody to come on in. Happy New Year to you all. We are glad that you are here this morning. We're going to have everybody call y'all in from the biscuits and gravy. It's time to come in. We got a little bit different morning this morning. You guys have a good week? Yes? Good. A few things we want to make you guys aware of. First of all, we want to make sure you guys are aware that Scott and Rachel had their baby. Yay! A little boy, Henry William Green. Seven pounds, five ounces. He's doing great. They came home yesterday. Rachel's doing good. And uh, we're just praising God for him. God has begun his quest with what his life is going to do here on earth for the kingdom. So we're going to pray him into adulthood and uh, pray that he is serving Jesus well. And, and uh, they're doing good. So we wanted to make sure you all knew that. Um, we also wanted to let you guys know we have, we're going back to the 1970s this morning. We have song sheets on your chairs because our lyric person came down with COVID. Who's my daughter, Kylie? So she's doing good. But um, she didn't want to infect anyone, obviously. So we printed song sheets for you guys because Scott would be our backup, but he's home with his new baby. So we're going to go old style this morning. So you guys can also take those home and just kind of meditate on them, look at them, and compare them to Scripture. You can actually Google them and say, what Scripture is this song? And see how it was written. So it's kind of fun to have them. So you can take those home and, and see those. The other thing we want to make you guys aware of, if you didn't see the table set up out front, we have the table that we're voting on our candidate for um, our senior pastor here. So you guys can go out there and Jane will give you all the details and fill you in. But today we are doing that. So we're going to prayerfully uh, vote for our candidate. And then let's see, what else, what other announcements did we have today? We had Mary McNally's home. She was in the hospital. She's home. Leona is home. So we're praising God for that as well. So I think we're doing really good. Are you guys ready to worship? All right. Well, let's stand and let's pray and ask Jesus to fill this place. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this morning. Father, we thank you for the snow that you've given us. Colorado needs it, Jesus. We know that there are so many families that are displaced right now that are lost Lord, I pray that you will guide those, those ones that are hurting so much into a church this morning that will love on them and show them how you love your people. Lord, I pray that you will continue to heal and to rebuild. Father, you can turn literal ashes into beauty. So we are waiting to see what you do with this. Lord, we just thank you for bringing us here this morning. Thank you for a new year. Lord, we know that you're working. We don't need to have January 1st to see you move. So we know that you're going to do big things. We know that you're going to do things here in our church, in our families, in our country, in our state, worldwide, Jesus. We expect big things from you because you are a big God and you do things completely unexpected. So, Father, we just pray that this morning your spirit will be here. We want you to come into this place and take us over. But more than that, Jesus, we want to meet you. We want your spirit to be personal to each of us, Jesus. And we want to please you with our offering of worship. And Lord, I just pray that you'll settle our spirits, focus our mind and our hearts on you because we need you here 
This is pointless without you. So, Lord, take these offerings of praise and worship, and I pray they will be sweet to you. And be with us this morning, Jesus. Teach us new things about you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, let's, let's worship. Are you past the point of weary? Is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Do you feel that empty feeling? Cause pain's done all it's stealing And you're desperate for some healing Let me tell you about my Jesus He makes a way when there ain't no way Rises up from an empty grave Ain't no sinner that he can't save Let me tell you about my Jesus His love is strong and His grace is free And my goodness is
someone around you, tell them Happy New Year. God bless you. We're glad you're here. verse this year that you're starting your new year out with? Anybody have one? No? Let me give you one. You ready? Here's a good verse. Isaiah 43, 19. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. That's a great one for you to start the year year off with. I really, really love to dig in, find new scripture that I haven't really concentrated on, and spend some time letting God just reveal it to me. So if you guys have a new scripture, tell me. I want to know what it is, because I'm, I'm wanting to fill my Bible with a new color, highlighter, new scripture this year. So bring that to me, because I'd love to see it. All right, let's continue to worship.
You on fire? <laughs> Your blood's moving a little bit more now? That's good news. That the highest king would welcome me. I was lost, but he brought me in. Oh, his love for me. Oh, his love for me.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you for welcoming us into your home, into your house, Lord. It's such a place that we shouldn't have access to, and you've given us full access. Lord, we love you. We thank you for being here this morning. As we get ready to take our offering, Jesus and the ushers are coming. Lord, just prepare our hearts for what it is that you want to do. Prepare our hearts for what it is that you want to give. Lord, I know sometimes that we hold on to things too tight. And you have something so much bigger in store for us. And we'll just let that go. Like that little picture of that little kid that his daddy wanted to take that little teddy bear from him. that was all ripped and torn. He didn't want to give it up. But behind his daddy's back, there was a big teddy bear. Brand new. That he could sit on. He had no idea it was there. Lord, let us be like children. Let us have faith like a child and trust you that way this year. Because we need you more than we need our knowledge, that we need our experience, or what we think is best. And we want to follow you, Jesus, with unabandonment. We just want to go after you. So would you help us, Lord? Help us to do that. Help us to trust you. Help us to be joyful and to tell people about you because this world needs you and our time is running short. We've got to get to them, Jesus. Help us to be brave and courageous. Help us to win more for the kingdom by the way that we love people. And help us not to be afraid to speak the truth in love because that's what we need to hear. We love you, Lord. We love you. Thank you, Jesus, in your name. Good. 
Jesus, help us to keep our eyes on you. Don't let us take anything away that would distract us. Don't let us listen to any voices that would distract us. Jesus, keep our eyes and our hearts and our minds focused on you and your word and what you want to do. There's so much to be excited about, Lord. You've got a big plan. You've told us what it is. And we win. We win, Jesus. We want to take so many people with us, Lord, so continue to move on our hearts, stir us, get us on our feet. Don't let us sit still, Jesus. We need you. We need you, Jesus, and we are committed to you. Lord Jesus, take the rest of this service. Anoint Pastor Tim with a fresh anointing, Jesus. Just slather him, Jesus. We want him to speak your truth to us, Jesus. And we want to hear it, and we want to obey it and act on it. Don't let us leave here the same. I want to be different when I walk out these doors. We love you. Everyone say, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Oh, we ask this in your name. Amen.
goes, it was my fault. I turned on my microphone when I shouldn't have. It's okay. It's okay. I messed up. I messed up. Messed up. You know, we're a little uh, light here today. It's okay. Because God doesn't count that. It's okay. So, we're in his presence this morning. And we have opportunity to uh, worship him. Now, you may have noticed that you had to sing off of a piece of paper today. And you may have noticed that our regular sound guy isn't here. I'm so grateful Jerry is back there. And you, if you could just see the look on his eye right now as he's working all that stuff to get it right, it's okay. We can have church without electronics, but it is harder for us, isn't it? We grow accustomed to all of these things. And some of us can remember when uh, we came to church and the church I attended didn't, have a, didn't even have a microphone. And the piano wasn't mic'd. And there was an organ and the lady that played it would often get it louder than everything else that was going on. So it was certainly a different day. I, uh, I want to ask you to walk with me today down the process of what I'm going to call splitting hairs. You ever done that? Sometimes I think we preachers have a tendency to do that and I'm just going to tell you right up front today that that's going to happen. I think, depending on how this vote goes that you're a part of right now, we could have a new pastor here in uh, about four weeks. So I just decided I'm going to launch today a four-week series anticipating that this will kind of wrap it up and that we will have a new pastor. And what I want to talk to you about are some beliefs that people have attributed to God for years, decades, centuries, thousands of years. But in reality, they are things that God didn't say. And yet we lean on these things. They have become a mantra to us. For example, next week we're going to talk about the fact that some people say, God will never give you more than you can handle. God didn't say that. Week three, there are those who say it, it doesn't matter what you do as long as it doesn't hurt anyone. God didn't say that. Week four, we'll take a run at that one that's perhaps the most dangerous. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. God didn't say that. But it sounds so good. It seems like that's the way it ought to be. But God didn't say it that way. And today we're going to talk about what may be the most popular misunderstanding about God in our society. And it's the idea that God wants you happy. And here's where the hair splitting 
concern might enter in. Listen carefully. Because many, perhaps most of us, believe that above all else, God wants us happy. And I must confess, I wish that I could uh, tell you that today. That God never wants anything bad to happen in our life. In fact, I could quote scripture to try to convince you that it's true. Psalm 97, 12 in the Living Bible. It says, may all who are godly be happy. But walk with me for a moment as you kind of let that verse soak in. Because if you believe that above all else God wants you happy, then it starts you down a road of other mistaken beliefs about God. Because you're walking down, if I may say, a rabbit trail of the theology of happiness. And here's what you begin to do. You begin to believe that if God wants me happy above all else, then whatever makes me happy must be right. And whatever makes me unhappy must be wrong. And we start believing that discomfort or delay or risk or suffering or inconvenience or obstacles in our life can't possibly be part of God's will. If something isn't going right, then this cannot be God working in my life. So we begin to worship the false gods of comfort and pleasure and success and money and things and opinion, especially our own. And here's the problem. When we do that, suddenly we are forced to believe that God exists to serve us. Listen, don't miss this. God does not exist to serve you. We exist to serve Him and worship Him. If God is just there to make me happy, then suddenly we reduce the great Creator of the universe, the Holy One, down to some kind of a little vending machine. If I put the money in and I press the button, I've done my part, and the machine is obligated to give me exactly what I asked for. So without even knowing what we're doing, most of us, most of us have reduced God to some kind of formula. God, I said my prayers. I went to church. I put some money in the offering and I did some good things. So God, make my headache go away. And God, I should get that new job. And God, I should get the dream house because God, I did the things I was supposed to do and I pushed the button. So God, do what I want you to do. I was pastoring in Kansas, and a gentleman came to my office one time, and he's sitting across the desk from me, and he's giving me off this litany of things that are wrong in his life. He doesn't have a job. He's living in a shack of a house. And then he says to me, I can't figure out why God doesn't give me a Corvette. A Corvette? Maybe you could start with a Corvair. I said, maybe you should be more concerned about getting a job before you start wondering about getting a Corvette. But I pushed the buttons. I did the things. And here's the tragedy of that mistaken belief. If you believe that God exists to make you happy and you're not happy, then you're forced to believe that God failed. 
But God didn't fail. Or it forces you to believe that you aren't good enough to merit God's favor. And that's not true either. You see, what happens is we started with the wrong understanding, the wrong perception, and that leads us to a very dangerous place. Now, now that I've depressed everyone here on this first Sunday of the new year by saying, hey, God doesn't want you happy, let me try to recover if I can. I do believe that God delights in your happiness. I believe that it brings Him joy just as any parent is delighted when a child has joy or happiness. For several years, I mean when our little girls were growing up and they would come running home from school. They attended a Lutheran school just up the next block. And they would come running down the sidewalk and they would have a paper that they would bring to show us and it had a gold star on the top and they had a big smile on their face. I was thrilled because they were happy. And more recently, it was driving up to Parker and seeing our grandsons up there as they were playing in sports. And here was Atticus, who was a preemie, born just at three pounds or a little less. And now I see him as he's playing basketball and he's running up and down the court and he's still the littlest guy on the court. But he gets down to the goal and he's heaving that basketball up and he makes a goal, he scores a point, and I'm just thrilled because I see the happiness in his face. Or it was his brother Conrad who was playing touch football and both of the boys played uh, lacrosse. And to sit there on the side in the stands and watch them do what they were doing and see their expressions of joy. I'm happy that they're happy. But their happiness is not my highest priority. So I'm going to argue today that God does not want you (laughs) to pursue happiness. God wants you to pursue Him. And we do not pursue Him for the byproduct of happiness. We're not pursuing Him so He'll give us what we want. We're pursuing Him for who He is. Let me try to talk about that in two specific ways this morning. God does not want you happy when it causes you to do something wrong or unwise. God doesn't want you happy if it causes you to do something stupid or to sin. So many people facing a situation think, well, this is going to be fun and this is going to make me happy. And it may be fun for a while. But the scripture says there is a way that seems right unto a man, but in the end it leads to death. Now we always think that that's referring to us dying physically. But it could mean the death of a relationship. It could mean the death of a friendship. It could mean the death of something in my spirit that dies. Because I followed a path that seemed right and I thought was going to bring me happiness. But in the end, it all caved in. Scripture teaches us to be holy. But a lot of people translate it this way. If you look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15, a lot of us translate it this way. But just as He who called you is happy, so be happy in all you do. 
That's not what it says. And yet practically, that's the way we try to live. The Bible teaches us that God has called us to be holy. You are to be holy and set apart in all you do. Oh, that doesn't sound like a recipe for happiness. When we believe that all else, when we believe that above all else, God wants us to be happy, then we end up doing things that are wrong or unwise in the pursuit of that happiness. Now, my wife doesn't bake much anymore. You can't tell by looking at me that she doesn't, but she would bake wonderful cakes, those layer cakes, or sometimes a sheet cake, you know, in that long, narrow, thin little pan. And after they're baked, they're sitting on the kitchen counter. And I, I, I walk over there and a sharp knife and I cut down through those layers and put a piece of that on the plate and go back over and sit in the recliner and enjoy that. And then I realize there's still a whole cake sitting over there on the counter and Go back and have another, but just a narrow little slice, just a little slice. And, and then there, with that sheet cake thing, that's a whole different animal. Because I have a tendency to go over there and, and cut a little strip. Small enough, you, you don't need to get out a plate. You can scoop it out with the, the little scooper thingy there and hold it in your hand and before I get back over to the chair, it, it, it was gone. and So I'd go back over and I'd cut another one. Make, make, make it thin. Not like... I can devour an entire cake. One little piece at a time. Not just the piece, the cake. Or, or do you ever take a bag of chips, go in by the TV and sit there like you would a bowl of popcorn and you end up devouring the entire some of you are shaking your head. You know what I'm talking about. You can't have at least, you can't just have one. It's true. So we eat the entire cake. The pursuit of happiness. We hate our job, so I'll just quit. Before I have a new job. Or my spouse isn't meeting my needs, so I'll just dust her. I know some people will think that it's wrong, but I'm just not happy. So I'm doing this to make myself happy. Or, or it's our entertainment. So much of what we consume, But it's so funny. It's okay. See, if, if there are those sitting in this congregation this morning who are not believers, you can make fun of me about those things because if I weren't a Christian, I'd make fun of what I'm saying too. But if you're a follower of Christ, you have to understand we have a... We are asked to live according to a higher standard. 
And I'm not talking about rules and legalism. I'm talking about principles and what we do to try to make ourselves happy. The second time that God doesn't want you happy is when it's only based on this world. If you watch advertising, and who doesn't, it's amazing what you need to be happy. Just watching television, I have discovered that there are things that I need to be happy. I need Frank Azar. I need Nutrisystem. Probably. <laughs> but as we, as we take in the things that the world tells us we need better possessions and newer and faster and brighter and bigger and peaceful circumstances and absence of all conflict and thrilling experiences and the perfect vacation and the right relationship. And if you have all that, then you'll be happy. Or if I could just win that Powerball. The problem is that all of those things are based on happenings and happenings change. If you get this, if you buy this, if you have this, if you trade this in, then you're going to be happy. And you do it and you're still not happy. I love what John says. It's so pointed and and direct in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, he says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Ah, that is a knife through my heart. I'm convicted when I read that. And then he goes on and says, For everything in the world... Everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires, they pass away. They're gone. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. Here's what I want you to hear and know. That above all else, God's highest calling for you is not your happiness as you enter 2022. Now hear me. Watch. This is where I'm going to split the hair. God does not want you happy as much as God wants you blessed. God has something far better than your happiness. He wants you to be blessed. Happiness is based on happenings and circumstances or material things that we may own sometimes. The blessed life is based on His goodness and His presence. In fact, the Greek word that's translated blessed means supremely happy. And it can literally be translated as more than happy. God wants something for you that's beyond being happy. Blessed. But the moment I tell you that God wants you blessed, 99% of us assume that that means health and possessions and all the earmarks of the American dream. But that's not the blessed life. 
The blessed life means that you will experience the goodness of God in the middle of the crud. It means that your happiness and your blessings are not based on the perfect, pain-free life. Because God never promises that. In fact, Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. But there's a promise connected to that. When he says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. We're looking for this pain-free, perfect life. And if we don't have it, then we start blaming God when the reality is God wants you to be, God wants to be active in your pain-filled life. Just because we're blessed doesn't mean you're not going to have trials. In the middle of the storm, you can find a blessing. This past year has been about as uh, traumatic as I care to go through. I mean, it's just issues. I've talked... I'm kind of an open book when I stand up here. I've talked to you about the issues that Jane is battling, and I've told you about the car I bought that was a total lemon. I mean, it hasn't been the greatest things. I, I, I want that pain-free life. But in the middle of the storm... You can find blessing. Let me tell you what I did. I read the Word every morning. Two, three, five, ten chapters. And I keep a little log and I just log what I've read. If I have a thought about it, I'll write that in there. Back in July, August, it was a rough time for me. Anxiety, and I just started taking that little log and writing down underneath the scripture that I had read what were the blessings that I experienced yesterday? Just write them down. And if you think hard enough, and sometimes you have to think hard, you'll find one. Or more. And you start writing those down. And something about your mindset begins to change. And you begin to realize that though you are in the middle of some kind of a horrendous storm. Ah, I've still been blessed. And you start looking back, I do, over those months and seeing the things that God had done. And I think, God, forgive me. I may not be extremely happy by the things that we're dealing with in life, but I realized I have been blessed. Some of you here today, as you begin this new year, you're in the middle of a storm. And in a moment, the peace of God can move into your hearts and suddenly you recognize, I trust Him. I trust Him. Even though I'm in the middle of chaos and the storm, I trust Him. 
You didn't choose what you're going through. And you feel like you don't even have what it takes to face tomorrow. And yet, for some reason, in the presence of God, you begin to find... In my notes, I have the word joy, but I think I'd rather use the word contentment. We used to sing a song, and I was trying to think of it, because I'm not going to sing it for you, but be grateful. But uh, I was trying to look through the Google to find the rest of the lyrics, and I couldn't find them. All I could find was, all I could remember was that first phrase of this little chorus that we used to sing in the church when I was a kid. Sometimes after we'd had a marvelous service and people had been at the altar and received Christ and lives had been changed and people that had been going through deep waters had found some kind of peace and we would sing, there's a deep settled peace in my soul. There's a deep settled peace in my soul. And that's what the Bible calls it, that joy that wells up within us when we put aside the effort of trying to do everything we can to be happy and we begin to focus on who He is and we remind ourselves of how blessed we have been. Those of you who have been in Christ for a long time recognize that you really can actually rejoice in your suffering and your trials because you know that the Bible says those things are developing perseverance in you and that perseverance must finish its work so that you may be complete in Christ, not lacking anything. Conformed in the image of Christ. When we walk through the stuff we know Him more intimately. And we walk with Him more faithfully. And we experience the goodness of God in a way that we couldn't have or we didn't on the good day. But we found His goodness on a day that I would not have chosen. And that's the blessing that exceeds the happiness. In Psalm 37.4, David writes, Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Delight. That is an interesting word. It is a great word. It means to enjoy. Enjoy yourself. Delight yourself in the Lord. And it carries with it the idea of being soft and pliable and flexible. You see, when I move from the pursuit of happiness to the pursuit of God, Suddenly I discover that I'm enjoying His presence. We're delighting in Him. I'm looking back through the blessings that He has given me over the months. And there is this sense of rejoicing in who He is. And then He gives us not everything that we've ever humanly wanted. He gives us the desires of our heart. And you know how He does that? Because the more we pursue Him the more the desire, His desires become our desires. We begin to pray according to His will and He gives us what we pray for because I'm praying in His will. 
and suddenly I'm enjoying God and I'm soft and pliable and I'm being conformed to the image of Christ. I'm living a blessed life, not the perfect life, not a pain-free life, but something that's better than happiness. It's joy unspeakable. It's contentment. It's peace. It's His strength when I'm totally weak. It's His power. It's His presence that carries us. See, the thing that we have the hardest time accepting is that we're not created for this world. You were created for heaven. You're here for a little while and you're gone. (laughs) We were created to glorify God the God of the universe. And He's not here to serve us. We are here to serve Him. So let me give you a suggestion for this next year. Lower your expectations of this world. No one is going to satisfy all the cravings of your heart because inside your heart you have this Christ shaped void. I started off using Psalm 97, 12 from the Living Bible where it says, may all who are godly be happy. But that isn't all of that verse. Here's what it says when you read it in its entirety. May all who are godly be happy in the Lord. You weren't created for this. You were created for that. God has something far better for you than just happiness. God wants you blessed. Pray with me. Father in heaven, You are faithful. And Lord, I continue to realize that even at this age, there are things that I have to learn over and over again because I forget them or I neglect them or I ignore them. And I keep coming back, Father, to trying to work this life my own way. And instead of praising you and worshiping you and pursuing you, I start pursuing the junk that I think will make me happy. Lord, I'm guessing that most of the people hearing me this morning can identify with that statement. Lord, it's not that we want to ignore you. It's not that we want to. It's not that we even think we have the power to do things on our own so much. Is Sometimes it just seems quicker to do it our own way. And we think that happiness will come sooner if we do it our own way. Father, I pray that perhaps through this next year, 
we will be pursuers of you more than pursuers of happiness. May your people be blessed by your presence. In Jesus' name.